Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. If I can get all the ladies just to stand up for a minute. Just all the ladies just stand up for a minute. And I just want you to shout out with a loud voice and say, You the man! You the man! Alright now. now <laughs> you can have your seat. See, no one knows where this phrase, you the man, originated. But it's a high and lofty affirmation of a man, especially when it's spoken by God. I need you to recall with me God's testimony in 1 Samuel 14, where he said, I have raised up unto them David to be their king. And I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Or in Judges 5.12, it says, Where an angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, God doesn't call men because of who they are, but for, who they, for what they can become. In other words, your past doesn't have to dictate your future. Because the Bible tells me when God needed a father of faith, he called Abraham. When he needed a deliverer, he called Moses. And when he needed a man to be strong and courageous, he called Joshua. And when God needed a watchman, not only to warn the people, but to uh, be an encouragement, he called the prophet, prophet Ezekiel. But I started to think, brother, I, I started to think, I started to think like, what is man? What is man that God would form him from the dust of the ground and, and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and, and that he would create him in his own image? What is man? Even Job wondered why a God having such greater power and majesty would take such interest in man. That he asked, what is man that you make so much of him and, and that you set your heart on him and and you, and you visit him every morning and test him every moment. And in the book of Hebrews, even the angels, they inquired. They said, what is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You, you have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. And you have put under him uh, a subjection under him all the things at his feet. So after all of that, I came to this conclusion. Man is God's crowning achievement and representative in his creation. Because when God made Adam and Eve, he commanded them to have dominion over all the earth. All the living creatures were to be under them. But because of sin, man's authority hasn't yet been fully realized. But it's not too late. It's not too late. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man. Find a man who, who does justice and seeks the truth. That I may pardon her. It's not too late. 
God is still calling. He's seeking men with a vision who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before him for the land that he would not destroy. But he said, I found none. But it's not too late. Because on this Father's Day, June 18, 2017, all God wants you to do is allow the word of God to confirm in your heart that you are that man. In our text this morning that you have read, you find a man by the name of Jarius, who names means he awakens. See, Jarius, he, he, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He, he, has a, he, he is a man of power, he's a man of position, and he's a man of authority. When Jairus spoke, people listened. When he walked into a room, everyone stood up in recognition of him. Most men in his position were aligned with the priests and, and the Pharisees, and they, and they labeled Jesus a troublemaker. Yet the fact of the matter is, with all he had and, and had going on for him, it did not negate the fact that his daughter laid at the point of death. Jarius, he, he needed help, and that his power and his position, his, his standing in the community, he couldn't help it. Couldn't provide it, couldn't provide what this man needed. And I can remind you of a man named Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 4, chapter 5, I mean, I'm sorry, it says he was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. He was a valiant soldier. But he had leprosy. What I'm trying to say is, no matter how much of a man you think you are, what you have or how much you have of it, trouble will find you. And man, when trouble finds you, you got to know who to find. When the trials of life come, you got, you're, going to have, you're going to need a resource outside of yourself. Scripture tells us Jarius, see, he went to find Jesus. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send an employee. He didn't send a parishioner. Jarius went to find Jesus himself. And you notice also that he didn't barter with Jesus. He didn't, he didn't say, man, you do me a favor, and I'll take care of you for life. I got money. He didn't negotiate with Jesus. Listen, the brothers in Jerusalem, they're getting kind of, they're getting angry about all your antics. I tell you what, brother, if you handle this problem of mine, I'll make a few calls. I'll hook you up. He doesn't make any excuses. Normally, man, I'm, I'm not this desperate. But Jesus, I, I got this small problem. But this says that Jarius just please. He pleads for the life of his daughter. And God revealed to me three points that we can use on this Father's Day, that fathers can use on this Father's Day. But I believe that you have to allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to open your heart that you may learn from this man, Jairus. First, God is calling for men with humble hearts. Jairus came before the Lord. He came reverently. He came prayerfully, and he came passionately. Verse 22 tells us he fell at his feet. Our English word fell, but it's, it is fell, but it's very strong in the Greek language. It does not imply that he came and simply bowed down. It means that he came and threw himself prostrate in the dust 
at the feet of Jesus. It means he descended from a higher place to a lower place. The term expresses a genuine spirit of humility before one that is greater. He pleaded honestly with him. Again, this is a strong word, plead. It means that he begged. He was begging. It's not simply asking in strong terms, but it's a gut-wrenching plea to Jesus. Here's a man who could care less what, the, what they were going to say about him in the synagogue the next Sabbath, Sabbath day. He didn't care what the federation or synagogue rulers were going to say or judge him at the conference. This man has lowered himself to fall in the dust of the street and plead in front of his colleagues who had totally rejected Jesus. This man is on a public street surrounded by those who knew him and, and knew what he stood for. But he's seen lying prostrate in the ground for his daughter. Can I say that men, when you, when you can't combine desperation and humility, you're displaying two of the most powerful ingredients that you possess to touch the heart of God. When you examine the life of Moses, you see both of these attributes in his life over and over again. He was a man who often came to God in desperation, but he also came in humility. Even David often called on God in desperation for help. And even as a king, he was a man of humility, a heart after God. Jesus has called you to humility. In opposition to what the world may say, he has said that the greatest among you must be the servant of the rest. In opposition of your human nature, the master of all knelt down and washed his followers' feet like a slave. Jesus rewards humility. Jairus came to Jesus and throws his pride out the door. First Peter tells us God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Jairus could have secretly came to Jesus. He could have secretly came for his assistance, but he didn't. He fell at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him for help. Me and I want you to understand something. It's going to take courage to walk into an atmosphere that is set against you. There are times in your life when everything you have to offer is nothing compared to what you are asking to receive. You're going to have to come to a place where he is everything and you are nothing. Malachi, uh, Micah, Micah 6.8 reads, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I know many of you have heard the saying, it's hard to keep a good man down. And James 14 confirms that. He says, humble yourself before the Lord, and it is he that will lift you up. Next, God is calling men to be spiritual leaders. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for confirmation in our, in our Sunday school class. Because scripture here informs us that Jarius uh, he led Jesus to his house. But in actuality, he was leading his house to Jesus. Every good man, father, in addition to showing his children how to save and budget, or that father who teaches his sons how to not a tie, or modeling for his daughter what she should look for in a man, should also be concerned about leading them to Jesus. The Bible confirms it. In Joshua, it says... Joshua prepared the children of Israel for the land of Canaan. 
he made it clear that his first priority went to those with whom he had immediate and direct control of. He and his house. Jarius, he had a, I mean, Joshua had a family. And he was concerned about that family. But he knew that he and his family must live in faith in God, not Israel. He was willing to stand in faith against the greatest of all odds to serve God. Joshua, he wasn't timid, hesitant, or questioned his role in his family. Inwardly, he might have been experiencing excruciating pain and agony, yet he moved forward with God's will, realizing his first responsibility was for leading his family, then the nation. Remember the centurion, Cornelius, a commander in the Roman military in Acts 10? Cornelius welcomes Peter into his house and says, we're all here. In other words, Cornelius' entire household was gathered to hear everything that Peter would preach. All of them heard the gospel and all of them believed and were baptized. Or you can turn to Acts 15, the Philippian jailer, who asked Paul, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he and all his family were baptized. Spiritual leadership begins in the home. First Timothy 3.5, it confirms it. I'm just going with what the book says. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's house? How can he take care of God's church? The word manager is a, is, is, is a wonderful word with at least two dimensions in its meaning. It means literally to stand before, and you can stand before as one who leads and as one who protects and provides. The focus on this verse is care. And you can see that at the end of the verse. So it tells me that you, 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 so you can see it at the end of the verse, but it's telling me that you can manage, but yet you can care for the church. The strength of the church is going to depend on its men. And consequently, the strength of the nation is going to depend on its men. While the church will gladly welcome welcome the kids, welcome the children into a vital relationship with, with Christ, but it's ultimately the parents' responsibility. You are their primary influence. You are that spiritual leadership that has to be refined in the home. The training ground for a larger spiritual responsibility is going to originate in a smaller setting. Paul Faulkner, in his book, Achieving Success Without Failing Your Family, Without Failing Your Family, reports that if both father and mother go to church, 72% of the children will go when they are grown. If only the father goes, the figure drops, it drops slightly to 55%. But if, but if the, only the mother goes to the church, only 15% of those children will go when they are grown. So is it any wonder why the Lord would say, fathers, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And lastly, God is calling for faithful men. 
There are times when a father's faith will make requests of the Lord in the interest of his family. See, at the onset, at the outset, Jairus' faith was only that Jesus could work a miracle to save his daughter. But you got to notice something. Jairus, see, he prescribes the manner in which Jesus was to heal his daughter. He doesn't say, my daughter is at the point of death, please help me. Jairus, he explained to Jesus that there was a certain course of action that he wanted him to take. So he says, please come to my house and, and, and Mark added, and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And now we're like Jairus, aren't we? We're just like him. We want to we have Jesus our own way. We want to pull up to him like he's a fast food restaurant. I, I don't like pickles, but give me onions. I don't like tomatoes, but give me ketchup. We, 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 we want to have Jesus our own way. But you, you can't have it like that. We don't, we, we don't just have to bring our needs to Jesus in, in pre precise ways. We got to be more than that. Jairus, in his eyes, he just, he just felt like there had to be some physical contact. He's seen contact already with the woman with the issue of blood. He's seen it. that, And, and then we got to go back to realizing this man's mentality. He doesn't know Christ as the son of God. All he knows is the miracles that he's seen and that he's heard of. But that doesn't have to be in contact with Jesus. Remember the, the Roman soldier? He, the man, he knew. He said, listen, all you got to do is speak a word. Because, you know, I got people on authority of me. I tell them to go over there, he's going to go. I tell them to come over here, he's going to come. But the Lord just went out and said, what faith? What faith? Jesus said, I, I hadn't found that kind of faith in the synagogue. I hadn't found that kind of faith in the church. But after finding that kind of faith, he immediately said, your servant is healed. But Jairus, see, he hurried home with ideas that day, just like we have ideas of who Jesus really is. But he's calling us into a relationship with him. And see, that's why you, on, that, on that very thought, he left his house. He hurried out of his house and said, I just need a touch. Now, I'm not negating the fact that Jesus, he can work a miracle. But God, he wants us to know him. Man, he's calling for you to know him in the beauty of his holiness. But he doesn't leave Jairus' way. Yes, he had to develop his faith more completely. Because what happened next almost derailed Jairus' faith. The Amplified Bible reads that there, there, there came some from the ruler's house who said, your Jairus, your, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any farther? But suddenly it was as Jairus had this, he had hit this immovable wall. You know, his faith was being stretched to the breaking point. He, he, he heard those painful words, but yet Christ had to encourage him. And, and there's some of you in here that your faith is at the breaking point. But, but the Lord is here to encourage you. Keep on fighting. Keep on believing. 
Because Jesus, in the Amplified, it tells us, it said, he gives us insight to how Jesus reacted to the announcement of the death of Jairus' daughter. He said, he ignored them. And, and, and it wasn't like he was intentionally ignoring them or what they said, but he was just trying to get this man to say, you know, to, to believe, to, to don't give up, don't, don't be afraid. And, and he, he kept saying, just go on believing, just go on believing. That's a continuous motion. Just go on believing. Listen, I, I, I know your daughter better than you did, but I still want you to just keep on believing. See, you brought me your desperate need. You brought it to me. And you had some belief that I could do something to help you. You didn't call me a fraud. You had the faith to fall before me and beseech me to help. So Jesus just said, Jairus, just keep on believing. Don't stop. He knew what they had said. Jesus knows that people and circumstances have said to you. He knows that. But Jesus is telling you, ignore that. Just keep on believing. Jesus, he understood a person has, he understood what a person has to do when they're face, facing that faith challenge. And Jairus, he teaches us an example of how you got to keep on believing for the impossible. And your first step is going to be, man, you're going to have to ignore what people are saying about you. You're going to have to ignore what, what may be going on trying to hinder you around you. You're going to have to keep on believing. He doesn't want you to be seized with alarm and, 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 and struck with so much fear that, you, keep, that you, you, you forget to believe who he is and why he came. Fear and faith won't work together. He said, keep on believing. This was the master key to overcoming what appeared to be an impossible a setback from all natural, uh, all natural appearances. There was no point in believing God anymore. That's what Jar is thinking. But Jesus was adamant. He said, keep on believing. This is the same counsel I'm telling you that God wants to give you right now for that impossible situation, that problem, that circumstance. Don't do anything but one more thing. Keep on believing. Don't be afraid. Just believe. God's not finished with you yet. He's telling you if I'm adequate enough when there is still hope, then I'm also adequate, adequate enough when there seems to be no hope. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He has not given you a spirit of fear. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is calling men that will hear his voice and not harden your heart. The glory of God which man forfeited has now been restored to you because Jesus Christ has come. When he died on the cross, he took your sin and shame, gave you his righteousness and restored the glory unto you. Christ came to raise you up and into your rightful place. God raised you up with Christ and seated you with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of grace expressing his kindness to you in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved and it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. No man has any reason to boast. 
For you are God's workmanship, created in him to do good works that he prepared for you to do. Pastor Dave, and come, come in for a minute. I, I got a few. I just want to show you how God wants you to get into that place. God has given you a power. He's given you the authority to reign and rule. At a coronation service for Queen Elizabeth, they put a crown over her head. And then I want you to put that crown on Pastor Day's head. God wants to get you back to your rightful place. He's given you a position of authority. And the crown represents that position of authority. And not only does God want to get you back in that position of authority, men, he wants to give you a key. And then if you'll give Pastor Dave that key, that key is a key of faith. That key is the key that God gave to the church. And he wants you to use it. That key of faith Peter used and 3,000 people were saved. And nearly the whole Gentile world. But God wants to get you to that place where you get back to where he has you. Where he has you. Where he has you. But you got to do it by believing. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. With God, all things are possible. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. That I came to give you life and I came to give it to you in abundance. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. That the just shall live by faith. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. That I am the way, the truth, and the life. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. That there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God and man. And that is Christ Jesus. You got to keep on believing. That's the key. That he's the resurrection, the truth, and the life. You got to keep on believing. Because you are that man. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.